What is the deal with tits? I'm sorry. I don't want to get that into sounds, this, actually. That sounds like the beginning of a stand-up special. What's the so deal what's with tits? what's the deal with tits? Why not <laughs> two of them? <laughs> Why not one big one like a cyclops? I hate that so much. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of We Explain Movies. I'm Kimmy. I'm Kayleen. And I'm Courtney. And this is the podcast where three best friends explain, rate slash review, and decide whether or not to see the latest and greatest or most beloved classics of film. This means each week, two or one of us will explain a movie to the other two or one of us in its entirety. Since this is a center for spoilers, if you haven't seen this week's movie, tune out and tune back in once you have. For other spoiler timestamps, check out our Instagram and Twitter at WeExplainMovies. Here's how it's going to go. We're going to start off with what we watched this week, move into some movie-related questions, followed by the explanation, and then we're going to close out with our watchlist ads and recommendations. You're listening to We Explain Movies. Well, thank you for clicking on this episode, listeners. Uh, As you can tell by whatever our title is, this episode is Reality Bites. And Kayleen here to do the explanation. Uh, But first, we always start out with what we watched this week. So what did we watch this week? I did watch some TV. I'm continuing to watch this show, The White Lotus. Oh, yeah. just White Lotus. Oh, you are watching it. Yeah, it's just a a bunch of rich people going to hang out at a resort in Hawaii. And um, the guy who plays, uh, I think his name's Pudge on The Office. Plop. 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 Yeah, the, the guy who like, ends up. Is that his name? Yes, in real life. And the show, it's uh, Pete. He like is into Aaron, yeah, right? that's Plop. Okay. He's in this, and he's like this douchey, rich, never worked a day in his life, trust fund baby. He has a good trust fund baby face. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's, it's fucking hilarious. That show's wild. And to be honest, I'm watching it and just kind of thinking about myself as a consumer because I think that's probably one of the themes of the show is mm-hmm. it's like all these rich white people going and exploiting this culture that is made to make you feel good. You literally destroyed this land and are profiting oh. off of these people's resources and you like destroyed their culture and now it's all for like your consumption and stuff and it just like makes me think about who I am as a part <laughs> of that like consumerist culture and stuff god how fitting for the movie we're talking about today I know <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly concerned about this episode Kimmy, <laughs> your only choices though are to go and exploit other cultures or go to the uh. beach that makes you old so <laughs> what are yeah. you gonna do and so that that's literally the only thing on tv that I watched I've been watching TV, but not on TV, obviously, because what year is it? Um, but I've been watching Barry with Dakota. Yes. Good. I started it back when you guys were recommending it to me. And I got three episodes in, and for some reason I just, like, wasn't into it. And that's a lot of episodes, kind of, for me to have not been very into it. And then I just kind of gave up on it for some reason. And then I came back to it with Dakota... And I think I just didn't get far enough to understand, like, I thought that the stuff about, you know, pointing out about acting students was funny and, like, I could relate to it, but I, I don't know, thought it was a little bit, like, kitschy and didn't really care for that stuff as much. And then I went past that with Dakota and we got to, like, the actual deep 
really shitty, difficult stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, this show is so good, and I'm so upset that it took me so long to get into it, but, like, we're super into it. And I just was like, my heart was broken when he's on stage talking about how he's not a psycho for taking orders and killing people. And I was like what the fuck? (laughs) I did not know this was going to be like this. And then, oh, God, it's just, it's awesome. And, like, (laughs) I think the sleeper cell of the show is Darcy Carden. She's just so much, like, (laughs) random shit where it's it's not even, like, the focus of what is going on. She'll just, like, say it before a scene cut. It's so funny. Yeah, so that's the TV I've been watching. Sweet. Moving on to movies, um... I'll go first because I watched new stuff. I watched new Ooh, yeah. movies. Uh, so I'll start by talking about old. <laughs> <laughs> I watched old and it was a time. I was promised people getting old on a beach and it fucking delivered. <laughs> That's all I wanted from Can the Can you movie. imagine if that didn't happen? <laughs> I know, right? Can you imagine if they aged like backwards? Like if I had gotten Benjamin Buttons, I would have yeah. been mad. But no, um, I, I really had a great time. Like, I look forward to seeing it again and maybe, like, talking to you two about it and just having, like, a fun romp. I get that some people don't like Shyamalan. <laughs> I get that Jordan didn't like it. And I very much respect his opinion. But I was like, bro, they got old. What did you want? <laughs> yeah, so I just, I, I, it gave me what I wanted. Surprise, and Beth Davids is in it, which was really fun. And it had a good twist. In the way that, you know, it wasn't the trees did it. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I have a question. Yeah? What do you consider some of, like, Shyamalan's best? Uh, the Sixth Sense and Split, easily. Like, those are my god-tier ones. And yeah, then those are good. I like Unbreakable and I like Glass. And then bottom tier is Lady in the Water and The Happening. Oh, and Signs. Signs is up there. I was going to ask how yeah. you felt about Signs. No, yeah. I really like Signs. Signs is, is up there. I, I mean... I'm like Split and Glass too, but I think that it does suffer from what a lot of his weakest films suffer from, which is the clunky dialogue that I can't get behind. So I can get behind that now because that's all it is. That's what he does. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Unfortunately, I think, not unfortunately, but just unfortunately because it was so early in his career, unfortunately, I think it's mostly like agreed upon that the sixth sense is his masterpiece and it's a bummer that there hasn't been one that like society as a whole has been like yes that's that's as good yeah (laughs) and I think a large part of that too is like he got there's very little dialogue in that movie that like could (laughs) could venture into his his lesser works um I still stand him it's fine yeah he just he's a time he's He's a time time. he's doing what he wants I feel like you know what? I don't know if this is like a stretch. I'm just, I'm merely putting out this for like discussion or just like as a thought, okay? Oh, God. <laughs> just gonna say something offensive. <laughs> I know. What, like, as far as like hype and notoriety and style and stuff like that, really how different is M. Night Shyamalan from Quentin Tarantino? You know what I mean? <laughs> keep going. Keep going. That's, that's the funniest you thing you've ever said. We just, we just like, view Tarantino's stuff as, like, higher art than Shyamalan's, but really how different 
are they really? You know what I, I get. Do what you you're know what saying? I mean? I get what you're saying. <laughs> like, I'm not. I'm not going. Like I'm not dying on this hill or anything like that. I'm just saying. I think that there's more in common with them that there are differences. I, you know I, what I agree mean? with that too. Like because we just. I just listened to Daniel's Django and Chain episode, and it's like, yeah, a volcano of blood and explosions. Right. The amount of feet. The amount of feet. And so, <laughs> what's the difference <laughs> between shitty dialogue and feet? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, at, at least violence. like I don't feel like I know as much about M Night as I do Quentin Tarantino, but <laughs> at least we can say that Shyamalan doesn't hide behind things. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he makes choices, and he's like, "Yup, I made those choices." He doesn't like justify his shitty choices. You know, he's like, "Yup, I did this." You know, <laughs> and then we have like Tarantino over here being like. Well, I think that I'm speaking for black people. And it's like, you fucking put the N-word in your movie way too many times and you are a white man. Like, you know what I mean? Go listen to Daniel's episode on Django. It really made me think intellectually about, because I struggle with a lot of the things that Nick and Jordan and Daniel were talking about that they struggle with watching that movie. Of like, course. Mm-hmm. am I allowed to enjoy this? I accept that there are like several things horribly problematic about it. What do I do? And at the yeah. end of the day, movies are a, a, an entertainment industry. They do often have larger things to say, which sometimes Tarantino does get across. But sometimes a beach just makes you old. And it's like, <laughs> that's still, <laughs> still good. Yeah. And it entertained me. And also it's like, sometimes in, you know, we've had so many years of cinema now. Like we're in a hundred plus years of cinema I'm just happy when I haven't seen some shit before. I've never seen Old Beach the movie. <laughs> so. Exactly. I'm sure I'll have fun, is my point. Yeah. You know what you also yeah. haven't seen? Pig. Pig. <laughs> Pig. Oh my god. Okay, Pig is the unsuspected hit of the year. Possibly the century. That's what I've heard. Oh my god. It is the most poignant introspective, beautiful, heart-wrenching, magnificent, slow burn of a Nicolas Cage time. And there's a pig. <laughs> I, I don't want to say more because uh, my, I even marked my review on Letterboxd as spoilers because I, I opened it with a quote that just, like, gutted me when I heard it Aww. in the film. Um, it is a look at what is important to us in life and what people choose to put their stock in and to, like, really value and what happens when that can be taken away. And it's not just about the pig, it's about other things in this yeah. man's life. And I think it is just a really quiet film that opens your mind up to a lot of ideas and to a lot of questions. And it, it makes you feel like it is a very empathetic film. And so mm. I, I highly recommend Pig, big time. I'll pick up after you because I wanted to talk about Mandy starring Nicolas Cage. Ah. Oh. Um, I ended up watching that. I wasn't sure if I wanted to after we did it on the podcast, but I know Dakota's really been wanting to watch it, and I decided to give it a shot. I don't really feel like I have anything to add. I really liked your explanation of it, Kimmy, and I I feel like it's more of an experience, and I just felt like I didn't, I don't know, I still kind of feel like I don't understand it, even after all the dissecting of it we did. I was just like, wow. Yeah, that would suck to lose your the, your loved one, and and I'm glad you got to kill all those people. <laughs> um, but it was cool to like. I, it was cool to experience. I don't know if I would ever watch it again, but yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> um, one I did want to talk about just because 
It was interesting, and I don't think that you guys have seen it. Have you seen Under the Silver Lake? No, it was on my watch list. No, oh, really? I haven't. Yeah, Riley Keough and Andrew Garfield. Yeah, and I didn't know she was in it, and I've watched her in so much stuff recently, just, like, from me not knowing who she was at all, and now I've seen her in, like, three things really close together, I was like, damn, girl. It was weird. And, yeah. like, in a... But I think I, I think I liked it. I don't know if I understood it. And I don't know if it understood it. Like, I can't tell if it's saying a lot or if it it isn't. You know what I mean? It seems like a movie trying to and maybe not actually achieving it. But I, it was very visually interesting. And the whole time you're wondering what the fuck is going on. And it is one of those movies where, like... The imagination behind it is just so big that I I really enjoyed watching it, regardless of if I knew what the fuck was happening. Um, so I think I would watch it again, because I was just like, what an interesting, like, who came up with it? Mm. So it's very, like, about kind of the underbelly of L.A. And then the last thing that I watched, uh, which I guess I'll do kind of just like a spoiler-free version of my letterbox review, is Good Time. And I really, really enjoyed it. Like, I, again, it's one of those movies where it's not even necessarily that I had a good time watching it, but I was just really impressed, like, by the whole concept, by everything that happened, by the filmmaking style, and um, without giving stuff away like I did in the review, something that I said is just that what I really like about the Safdie brothers is that they always set their high-paced stuff in realism so it's like shit is constantly going wrong and you're constantly stressed out because if you were doing this stuff in real life it wouldn't be all smooth and nice which also kind of makes exactly me exactly like how it goes <laughs> yeah and it, it also kind of makes me think of like american animals since that's a true story nice. it's like yeah. you see how they want it to go but that's not how it fucking goes and i feel like that's kind of the comparing of like a movie like John Wick, where, you know, he's almost like a superhuman and he never fucking gets killed and it's amazing. And then we have this where it's like you do something stupid and you pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I really thought that Robert Pattinson did a good job. I really like that the story, even though we're following Robert for most of it, it is really more about the brother and what he's struggling with. Uh, I, I thought it was really awesome. Uh, Kimmy, didn't you want to say something? Yeah, the last thing that I watched was Outlaw King mm. on Netflix. Nice. Starring Chris Pine and Florence Pugh. I thought it was solid. Oh. I thought it was solid. Like, I love period stuff. I love Florence Pugh. Like, I wish that she was in it more. Mm. And, like, I I know that he's, like, in a lot of stuff, but I also <laughs> feel like Chris Pine is, like, highly underrated. As far as Chris's go, Yeah. <laughs> as Chris's go yeah like I don't know if he's like trying to do like more indie like less blockbuster stuff I don't really follow him he's not someone that I'm like obsessed with or anything mm -hmm. like that but he does solid work he's like and he's done a lot of like royal stuff I'm I guess and you know what I was a little pissed off at Letterboxd um about the film just because literally every person wanted to talk about how he does some full frontal nudity mm. oh and I'm like, how about that he's, like, doing a really difficult accent and, like, portraying a, like, a real-life figure. Get up, And, Jimmy. like, you know, <laughs> it's, like, it's not all about that. 
Yes. It's not all about that. <laughs> I will say, though, Letterboxd just tends to be a pretty thirsty place. Like, any movie I watch for Sebastian Stan, half the comments are like, I came here to lust after Sebastian Stan. Yeah. I'm sorry, Kimmy. <laughs> I mean, he does. He does do a lot of, like, full frontal. You know, good for him. I'm just, like, I'm so sick of, like, nudity being this kind of, like crazy you know like let's just show more of it so that it's desensitized Mm. and we don't romanticize people's fucking bodies anymore you know what i mean yeah so i'm just kind of a little bit salty about the fact that that was like trivialized so much so all right i'm stepping off of my soapbox for the day (laughs) all righty um i'll I'll close out what we watched this week just with a little note i want to make about my continuance through the thousand one movies to see before you die I watched four movies off of that this week, maybe five, but two that I have like high praises for and I just want to shout out are the originals of both The Thing and The Wicker Man. They mm. both slapped so hard. Mm. I, I was shocked by the quality of the special effects and the prosthetics and like basically puppet type sitch of The Thing. It was terrifying. Mm. I did not know how scary the monster in it was. It, like, <laughs> Annihilation owes that movie so much. <laughs> it oh. really does. And I didn't see that coming, and I didn't know. Wow. Um, because all I had seen was the Mary Elizabeth Winstead version, um, mm-hmm. which used total CGI. Huge bummer. And then The Wicker Man. I can't wait to watch that again, like, Halloween time. It was such a time. It was so interesting. I know that there's deep comparisons to Midsummer, and yeah, but Scotland can get freaky, too, apparently. Like, <laughs> it was... It was so interesting. It was part musical, which I didn't know. Oh. It was. What? <laughs> yeah. And Kimmy, like, I get what you're saying about nudity and stuff, but, like, that's your personal taste and everything, because, like, this featured yeah. a lot of nudity, and I could have done without it. And it wasn't sexualized, <laughs> but I was like, these people are too naked and horny. And <laughs> so, to each their own, but The Wicker Man is really good, and so was mm. The Thing, so... Check those out. The remake of The Wicker Man has Nick Cage, doesn't it? Yeah. Not the bees! Not, Not the right. bees! <laughs> Does something similar to that happen in the original or no? Not at all. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Are there bees at all? There's in not the a original? single bee. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> and they don't care about bees. They have, like, these weird sex songs that they sing. One was a bop. It was like, the woman lays down on the bed. The man gets on the woman. <laughs> like, Is that a real lyric? There's, like, hundreds of children singing and running in a circle. That honestly sounds like mad midsummer energy. that to daniel and kiki now (laughs) i really should listen to it again it was very funny (laughs) it was so funny that's what we watched this week now to gear up for reality bites i have a couple of questions the first one is what is your favorite in quotes pretentious film okay that's a pretty wide spectrum of what you can pick i'm ready i only have one answer for each question this week Okay. okay My favorite pretentious movie is a ghost story. There's like a 40 minute scene where some drunk guy like wax philosophic about like basically the plot of the movie, you know? Yeah. 
And I fucking sat there and I ate that shit up. Just like, like Rooney ate that pie. Exactly. Yeah, just like Rooney ate that pie. Like I feel like I've said I this that on the pod before, but did you guys know that she had never had pie before and she flat out said, what's <laughs> yeah. pie? This is an alleged <laughs> yes. fun fact, but Rooney, your family owns like seven football teams. Can you find out what pie is? <laughs> um, yeah, and like I feel like I referenced that specific scene in like a bunch of shit because I was like, yes, that's fucking life. And mm-hmm. so like... I'll take the pretentiousness of it, and I don't know. I just, like, really enjoy it. Yeah. I really appreciate it for what it did. I enjoyed it when I watched it. I thought it had, like, a lot of really good points to say, and I also understand how it is well known to be a pretentious film. Mm-hmm. So Sweet. But that's okay. It, it was totally my bag. Can I go next? Because that was one of my honorable mentions. Yeah. So just oh, going go off of that, because that was one of my honorable mentions, I just want to say that I love the song I Get Overwhelmed from the soundtrack. It was the song that mm. was the trailer. And yeah, oh. that movie is just, David Lowry, what were you thinking? I don't know, but I'm here for it. And it is mm-hmm. just a pretentious, beautiful time. Uh, my other honorable mention, just because I feel like I'm up on a high horse for liking it, is Phantom Thread. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a great answer. <laughs> yeah. Great I remember, answer. it's like one of our earliest... I think it might even be our first episode because Kimmy, I think, is talking about how she loves Paul Thomas Anderson. And mm. you were like, I don't like Phantom Thread. And I just go, what? I put mushrooms in the omelet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've decorated my kitchen to be Phantom Thread themed for Daniel as well. Yeah. And yeah, it's not for everybody, but I'm like, it's a sexy movie and it's so pretentious. So yeah. I think any movie that stars Daniel Day-Lewis could be on this list. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's also part of it is like that man, get over yourself. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. <laughs> and so another, my real answer, anything by Charlie Kaufman pretentious yep. and he knows it Aww. so my real answer is eternal sunshine of the spotless mind oh my god that was on my list too sick <laughs> good we went in the perfect order um and nothing makes me feel like more of a douchebag than listening to halsey's record from last year that uses uh samples from the movie like it it features kate winslet's mm. uh manic pixie dream girl monologue and i love it <laughs> interesting yeah and that movie total brain melt it's about yeah. so many things and the characters are named Joel and Clementine. Come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, Clement, Clementine, are you joking my ass? Exactly. Oh, and she has colorful hair. Uh, but for real, though, I'd like to cosplay her. <laughs> That's my yeah, answer. Totally. Totally agree. Oh, God. All right. Here we go. Guys, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not for my honorable mention, but for my real answer. I'm sorry. I'm apologizing now. Okay. My honorable mention is The Matrix. I don't necessarily think that's, like, in the same vein of what we've been talking about, but it is one of those movies that looks like, but what if, though? It's a film bro movie. It is. And so, kind of, like, in the same vein of, like, a fight club, where it's, like, life, my dude. And so, (laughs) that's why it's my honorable mention. Um, But my real answer, again, I'm sorry, okay? It's worse than Kimmy's answer. It's American Beauty. <laughs> oh. As far as problematic people. I meant, I meant to make that an honorable mention. The bag? The bag. Yeah. Just at, the way that movie opens where she's just like laying there and she's like, I just want to kill my dad. Yes. Like, <laughs> what, what's more pretentious? That is a good answer. That's a perfect and answer. And like those, those little angsty teens, come on. But I love it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Good. I, no, I like that answer. See, it's okay to be pretentious sometimes. We're all a little bit. 
It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Okay. Second question. Reality Bites stars Winona Ryder. And therefore, the second question is, what's your favorite Winona film? Kimmy also said she wants to go first. I have to. My answer is Girl Interrupted. Mm. It's also like a classic movie. It's like a classic in the way that like... Clueless. Oh my god, that's what I was gonna say. Whoa. It's the Brittany Murphy vibes. Yeah. Right. It is the Brittany Murphy vibes. And there's like so many people in that movie. There are. Like Elizabeth Moss is in that movie. Like Isn't Clea Duvall in it? Whoopi's in it. Clea Duvall's in that movie, isn't she? I think so. Yeah. She's really mean to Brittany Murphy. There's so many people in that movie, and I feel like it I feel like it has like parallel vibes to so many movies that came after it. Mm. I feel like it was really revolutionary for movies about women and women relationships and like fucking Bechdel movies. You know what I mean? Mm. And mental illness. They tackle a lot of different Yeah, I think that's important. And they normalize it too. Like that's like a big joke around them. Like, oh, we're all fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's such a general and like insensitive look at the situation and all these people are really layered interesting unique special people and they are compartmentalized into this one thing and like i i love that that movie explores the depth of these women and i don't know it's a good fucking movie mm-hmm. angelina jolie slaps why well, no, i think is like perfectly cast she's perfectly cast in that movie <laughs> isn't she yeah and yeah i i love it uh, my honorable mention, just because it's not really her vehicle, she's just in it, but is Black Swan. Yeah. Mm. Especially because she's playing, like, this aging, like, oh, I'm no longer Natalie Portman-aged, and it's funny. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm not hot. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. And so I really like her in that movie. I think she does a great job. It's very interesting. I mean, I know that they're just, like, petite white women, but the fact that her and Natalie and Mila all look so similar is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that's great casting. Um, my yeah. real answer is one that just made me giggle as soon as I was trying to come up with an answer for this. I was like, yes, is Heathers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Heathers. Yeah, uh, Heathers, as a musical, it's literally my second favorite musical of all time. Mm. As a movie, it's rocky, but that's okay. I get that that's the point of it. It is just so of its time, and it is such a time, but I started giggling as soon as I thought about her, like, angrily scribbling her diary while wearing a monocle and narrating. It's so funny. It's hysterical. <laughs> and Christian Slater in it with her. It, I mm-hmm. just love their their super toxic romance. It's great. Mm-hmm. That's my answer. Okay, so these are kind of tied. I have two on my list that are tied. It's Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands. Very similar vibes. Both mm-hmm. Tim Burton, both like kind of the um, half dark, half bubbly tones she's playing like a very different character in both of them but you know same vibe and then the other thing which is not a movie but stranger things it's all it all seems very similar the things that i like winona in um Mm -hmm. i really like that she's kind of like this dark princess she is Mm -hmm. she obviously has much more talent than that and she's in tons and tons of stuff and i i like seeing her every time but those movies i've just seen so many times and they're staples of my life sweet Okay, cool. Well, guys, I didn't let them watch a trailer because, for a couple reasons, one, old trailers often spoil stuff, but two, this movie doesn't really have anything to spoil, so if I let you watch the trailer, it's going to spoil anything even remotely guessworthy. So, 
I gave them a little synopsis. Do one of you want to read it or? Okay, Reality Bites in 1994. It's directed by Ben Stiller. Mm-hmm. It says, a comedy about love in the 90s. A small circle of friends suffering from post-collegiate blues must confront the hard truth about life, love, and their pursuit of gainful employment. As they struggle to map out survival guides for the future, the Gen X quartet soon begins to realize that reality isn't all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. Does it bite? Does, Does it bite? It... <laughs> I want to say that I really appreciate it being post-collegiate because college yes. students are the most pretentious. But (laughs) there's not enough said about what happens after college. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're not doing slam poetry anymore, but you're still an (laughs) asshole. (laughs) Exactly. Wow. That was was good. (laughs) I just came up with it. Am I pretentious? (laughs) There's a specific line that I can't fucking wait to say to you guys. And it's the first line of the trailer, which is part of why I didn't want you to watch it. Okay. It's so fucking funny. Can I just like I just want to throw out tropes go. and ideas. You go. I just want to okay. have fun. Okay, internet cafe. <laughs> okay. They hang out at the internet cafe. Love triangle. <laughs> There's a love okay. triangle. Um <laughs> coffee shop. Got it. <laughs> coffee shop. You're saying buzzwords and right now. That's what I'm saying and rave. There's a rave scene. Okay, oh. what's the thing? Think 90s. What's like the thing that goes with coffee? Biscotti. No. <laughs> poetry? Like cigarettes? Poetry? No, yes, cigarettes. cigarettes. Yeah, you okay. got cigarettes. it. Kimmy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, now I now I will I will more so like get on track. Um, okay. why Nona's character is named Jane. Okay. Think more pretentious than that. Oh my more god, Ophelia. That's hilarious. That's <laughs> <laughs> So Ophelia must choose between Dwight is one of their names, uh, probably the Ben Stiller character, and then is it Ethan Hawke? Yeah. Yeah. Brock. <laughs> Ooh, that's almost it. <laughs> Brett? No, no, it's not like letter wise, no, okay. but vibe, yes. Sweet. Kimmy, I've said I've said too much. <laughs> God. Have you? No. <laughs> I just have been saying so God, we'll it's like you've seen me. it. We'll come back to me in a second. I just, okay, I just want to say, I'm. Kayleen has provided a couple photos for us to, like, oh, yeah. help aid <laughs> us. And it's a picture of this group of friends. And one of them is, they're sitting on a bench. And they are accompanied by a guitar <laughs> sitting nearby. Mm-hmm. And the other one, they are sitting in what I believe is a bar very reminiscent of the bronze which is the place that everybody up in Buffy the Vampire Slayer would go to get drinks Mm. just some kind of like bar live music pool tables kind of place Ooh, they're drinking rolling rock which means this takes place in Philly (laughs) Mm. wow Courtney that is really intelligent (laughs) (laughs) or it's like I watched Mayor of Easttown recently (laughs) I'm feeling like there's some Clerks vibes about this movie. Yeah. I will mm. say, I've never seen Clerks. <laughs> I have on more than two occasions claimed to have seen Clerks. What is and wrong re- with you? And referenced it as something. And you know what happened? You know what happened when I said that? Oh, the God. person who I told that said, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely fucking right. So there's something very vibey about that era. It's 94. Mm-hmm. It's, it's purposeless 
you know, post-college people. And I think it goes. I'm assuming that's what Clerks is about. <laughs> so, <laughs> Clerks is more of a comedy. They're just hanging out, shooting the shit yeah. at a video store yeah. all the time. Yes, yes. I, I haven't made any predictions yet. I'm so think, sorry. I think, so I, I, just because of how pretentious this is, I feel like it's not a movie with a lot of plot. I'm guessing, like, maybe one of them is, like, an annoying trust fund baby, like, in Rent, who's mm. like, no, don't pay for my rent. I want to not pay rent rather than have anyone pay my rent. Okay, let's go through characters and tell me what you think their jobs are slash financial status. Ben Stiller has a rich daddy. And I hope Jerry is in this. He's rich. Ethan Hawke is, like, a starving artist. Winona mm. is like middle class, but maybe not that in touch with her parents. Steve Zahn is literally homeless. <laughs> <laughs> they call him Homeless Jones. That's his name. Oh my God. <laughs> I think I'm going to say the opposite. No, I, I he's Rich that, Jones. <laughs> I think that, well, no, no, I, I agree about him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think that. Ethan Hawke is, like, the guy with rich parents. Mm. And just the way that he looks, like, he's trying to, like, he's trying so hard to be, he's, like, trying to be the antithesis of the of the wealthy, yeah, yeah. you know, family. Yeah, and, like, maybe he's, like, really into, like, crazy casual sex. Like, he just, like, wants to, he's, like, that kind of vibe. Like, I'm trying to spread myself around oh my the ladies. God. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, But yeah. really, he's just, like, really sheltered. And I feel like he's in a relationship with Winona Ryder. And oh. is he cheating on her? Maybe. I think that maybe she cheats on him and she gets with Ben Stiller secretly. Mm. And like Winona Ryder is like in a crisis of identity right now, having a, an English degree. I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah. English degree all the way. Ben Stiller yes. was like a business degree, even if he was poor. Mm-hmm. And then Ethan Hawke, philosophy degree. <laughs> oh, ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. Yes. <laughs> that makes so much sense. And then Jimmy Garofalo is a tattoo artist. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. She's like some kind of artist or whatever. And I, I feel like she's maybe like the most grounded out of the mm. out of the people like she's like the voice of reason wouldn't Jenny Garofalo be like the voice of reason amongst these fucking petty ass people <laughs> I just feel like like Winona Ryder's gonna go to Jenny Garofalo and she's gonna be like I just want to make my mark on the world and I'm just like so insignificant in the grand scheme mm. of things and Janine's like welcome to reality bitch it you know bites. And <laughs> it bites <laughs> <laughs> and um Am I hot or cold? <laughs> I The vibes are there. The vibes are right. there. I feel good vibes about yeah. the vibes. Strong. Like I yeah. said, I feel like there's very little plot. Love yes. it. I also think that when we get to the halfway point, you'll have more, like, plot stuff to do. So Yeah. Cool. I will say, like, I did not... When you said last week, I'm going to do Reality Bites, I was like, cool, like a rom-com. That's not really my bag, but I can get behind it. <laughs> and then you sent us this thing that was like, here is everything that you're struggling with right now in a movie. Do you want to watch this? Do you want to hear what this is about? So, like, I'm really concerned about, like, what we're about to embark on. Yeah. And you know what? Bring it on, I guess. I'm I'm very excited at the end to kind of, like, talk about that. They are experiencing more of a younger version of what we are, but it still feels very relatable. It's not like we're that far removed or that our struggles are that much different. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's interesting. Are you ready to get into the plot? Yes. 
Okay, so to begin, I thought I'd talk about a couple little fun facts here, and every fun fact that I have today is straight from people's mouths, so if any of my fun facts are wrong, (laughs) then that means the actors and creators lied to me, so go attack them. Okay, (laughs) so the first thing that I saw, um, which is from the writer of the film, is that reality bites from what you guys have said in your predictions and from what I thought, pretty sure everybody interprets as reality sucks, like reality bites. But apparently, more of the intention was like bites of reality than reality sucks. So Mm. it kind of ended up taking on like a double meaning in that way. But I, I thought that was interesting because I was like, what else could it mean? And that's what it means. Can you mention that it was directed by Ben Stiller? It is. And he had directed a couple little things like TV spots and I think some videos and stuff. But this was his feature directorial debut. Um, another thing is that Ethan Hawke just was praising Winona, saying that this movie is what made him pop off because the only real big thing he had done before this was Dead Poets Society. And he felt that before reality bites came out he kind of felt like people looked at him as like that guy who was in dead poet society and then never really did anything and so he's very grateful to winona and um they seem like really good friends so the film opens with winona Ryder's character whose name it's not as pretentious as ophelia i just thought it was a little more pretentious than like you know say like emily or something it's lelena which every time that I wrote it, like every time in my head, I want to say it wrong. I don't know why. Looking at the name, Lelena is just, I'm probably going to say it wrong. So I apologize. <laughs> so Lelena is giving a valedictorian speech at her college graduation over these documentary style clips of her, her friends and fellow graduates. The speech is very, like, angsty college kid. It's all about, like, the consumerism of the previous generations and trying to find your place in the world as, like, a modern young person. And so she's giving this speech, and she says, like, the answer to it all is... And she loses her place in her cue cards, and she just goes, the answer is... I don't know. And everyone loves it. They're like, that's the most fucking profound shit we've ever heard. (laughs) And everyone claps. (laughs) We end up seeing, it's like a cut to after graduation and the four core friends of the film are hanging out. So we already established the actors, but I'll I'll say all their names. So it's Winona Ryder as Lelena. It's Ethan Hawke as Troy. So Brock, I felt Mm. like had the same energy. (laughs) Same energy. It does. Janine Garofalo is Vicky. Yes. And Steve Zahn is Sammy. So those are the core group. Oh, Ben Stiller is not part of it? No. Not part of the core. He'll show up later. Wow. Okay. They're hanging out on a rooftop and they're drinking and smoking and just like talking about college and like, you know, getting a little tipsy and stuff and talking about their lives. And we, we get a little bit of establishing stuff here too. So we find out that Troy actually didn't graduate. He's a few credits short. And he's like, I just don't see much of the point in, like, finishing (laughs) school. It doesn't even do anything for you. And Lelena, as they're all talking, is filming them because she's making a little documentary. Oh, is she a film student? She's the mark of the group. She's the mark of the group. And Vicky's starting to get, like, really fucked up. And she goes, the only thing I learned in college was my social security number. (laughs) Which I thought was funny. 
it's a little bit after this. It's probably like right after actually celebrating graduation. But Lelena and Troy are having dinner with her parents, both of whom are divorced and they're there with their new spouses. So they're there with two sets of couples, all Lelena's family. Oh, you gods. <laughs> and uh, her dad gives her a gas card and says he'll pay the bill on it for a year. So at least she doesn't have to worry about that post-graduation. He also says that they're going to give her his wife's old BMW. So she's not necessarily like a trust fund baby, but Lelena's the one who has parents who can like help her out. They give her a car, they give her a gas card. And it's, she's not as like, you know, get that the fuck away from me, like maybe in Into the Wild, but she is kind of hesitant about the BMW. And then this strikes up like a whole argument with her parents where her mom is like that's stupid she doesn't even want the car and she kind of just takes it to defuse the fight and she's like it's fine I'll just I'll keep it until I can afford to buy it from you we then see that Lelena and Vicky live together in a place I can't remember if they I think it is a house I don't think it's an apartment and the two of them are able to afford it on their own which is pretty pretty nice it's like a decent sized little place this is the 90s exactly (laughs) (laughs) what is this friends yeah We see Troy leave a woman's house because he is a womanizer, and they're establishing Mm. that. He kisses the woman goodbye. Would you guys like to guess who it is? We know who the woman is? And she's not in it at all after this. She literally just kisses him goodbye and gives him her phone number. I want a little bit more of a hint. She's in a lot of rom-coms. She recently won an Oscar. Renee Zellweger? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yep, so she just kisses him goodbye, gives him her number, and he tosses it on the ground when she's not looking, so it's like, I don't even give a shit. Mm. (laughs) It's like, again, it's kind of going through the friends, so we're now seeing Vicky, and like, kind of everything on, her room is very, it almost looks high school-y, it's got like a bunch of posters of guys on it and stuff like that. So in Vicky's room, we see a man, like, sneaking out after they've had sex, but as he leaves, it's revealed to us she was awake the whole time and, like, knew he was sneaking out, and she grabs a little notebook from her nightstand to write the date and his name. She's got a ledger. Vicky fucks a lot. So it's, like, showing her her full-ass notebook, and she, it's even kind of funny because she, like, goes to write his name and she can't really remember, and she writes Rick, question mark? Uh, We see Lelena at her job now, and we see that she works at a morning show as some kind of PA. She does get paid, but she's still an intern. She is watching the host because she's, like, some kind of PA or something. She has, like, a clipboard, and she's... She's gonna fuck that host. Oh, my God. He's he's ancient. He's, like, (laughs) 80. Fine. (laughs) I mean, she could still fuck him, but (laughs) he's, like, about to end the show, and I think at the end of the show, there's, like, some line about, like, and grab you a cup of joe, but he goes to grab it, and there's nothing there, and she's, like, oh, fuck, like, she forgot to put out his coffee cup. And after they cut, he comes over to her and he chews her out and he threatens to fire her and she's really bummed out. She goes to the Gap to go pick up Vicky from work because Vicky works at the Gap. They're on the way home now because she just picked up Vicky and they're rocking out to the in the car to that song that's like, Tempted by the fruit of another. Yeah. <laughs> and it's cute. There's a lot of good, like, needle drops in this. So, yeah, they're they're rocking out to that song, and we cut to Ben Stiller, who's Mr. Business Businessman. Yeah. And he's driving around. He has a one of those car cell phones, and he gets a call. It's, like, some business call, but he's listening to really loud rap, and he's, like, kind of frazzled while he's, like, on the phone and listening to music. 
and trying to drive around. I think he might even have, like, a cup of coffee. The 90s were crazy. Um, (laughs) And so they stop at a stoplight next to each other, the girls and Ben, and they kind of see him all flustered and stuff, and they kind of giggle, and, you know, he's rocking his music, they're rocking theirs, and it's just, like, this kind of little cute moment. And I believe it's Winona flicks a cigarette out the window, and it accidentally lands in his car, lighting some of his papers on fire. Oh, my God! Because he has his top down. What's the opposite of a meet cute? (laughs) And And I started a fire in your car? (laughs) And so he just notices out of the corner of his eye and freaks out and crashes into them. And so then uh, it just cuts to Winona's like following him around in his office where he works because they're kind of trying to like discuss the crash and the legality of it or what they're going to do with insurance and stuff. And as they're talking, he goes to sit down, but he gets a work phone call and he picks it up. And it's kind of this cute little scene where like, we don't really know how he feels about her and her him, but she's very like apologetic and nervous. She's very young. She's like never been in a car crash before. And uh, she sees a little Planet of the Apes figurine on his desk and she's kind of playing with it. And he's trying to like talk to her while he's on the phone. And he's he's like being sweet and trying to like hang up the phone call. Anyway, he hangs up the phone and he's flustered and he says like, let's just forget the whole thing. Like you seem really nice. I'm sure it doesn't hurt that she looks like Winona Ryder. But (laughs) he's like... Yeah, and so so they're, like, kind of, he's kind of flirting it up, and she's like, oh, thank you so much, blah, 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 but then she immediately drops the figurine, and it shatters, and she's horrified, and she gets on the ground, and she's, like, trying to pick up the pieces, and he comes over, and he's still being very nice, and he's like, don't worry about it, and she's like, I'm, I'm in here, like, ruining your life. And he goes, just don't touch anything else. And it's it's sweet. He's being nice to her, even though she threw a cigarette in his car and dropped his thing. <laughs> she then gets home and she's talking to Vicky about him. His name is Michael, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. So Ben Stiller's name is Michael. And she's talking to Vicky about Michael and how he asked her on a date. And she says that he works at a station called In Your Face TV, which she says is similar to MTV. And as they're talking about this, they kind of, like, walk inside, and all of a sudden, Troy and Sammy show up with a bunch of Troy's stuff. And Lelena's kind of like, what's going on? And Vicky goes, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I forgot to tell you, but I told him he could move in here while he looks for a job, because he just recently got fired. And they kind of, like, fight about it. It's not really that big of a deal, but essentially, Troy is going to move in for a bit. And then this, this I just thought was really funny, especially on rewatch when taking my notes. We see in the documentary style, so Lelaine is like filming again. We see that Troy's in a band and they're jamming and the band is called, Hey, That's My Bike. (laughs) Yes. It's just perfect. And so uh, 90s. (laughs) And they're like jamming out and she's asking them questions and stuff. And then we cut to him eating brownies out of a Tupperware container, and it's, like, kind of messy and stuff, and Lelena's asking him questions about his life. We get a little bit of, like, background info, like, his dad is sick, and I I believe his parents are divorced. It's, like, this whole thing about, you know, just all this different stuff about his life. And uh, she comments that she thinks his issue is that he needs to stop falling for these dumb groupies, and this is when she says... Like, I know you're so smart because you're 10 credits away from getting a philosophy degree. You should be with somebody better than that. 
and they kind of flirt and Troy ends up like stealing the camera and he's like shoving brownies in her face and it's 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 very flirty and 90s and rom-com. We cut to Lelena coming home, presumably from work, like a, a later day, and the other three friends are at the house smoking weed. As she enters the room, Sammy spoils the surprise that Vicky wanted, just because Vicky wanted to announce it, that she just got promoted to manager at The Gap, and she's going to be making $400 a week. Damn, bitch. Back in then? Like, fuck. That's a I lot. know. I mean, how much was their rent? <laughs> Like, yeah, exactly. And uh, Lelena's super happy for her. She's like, that's awesome. And Troy's being, like, kind of negative about it because he's just like that. He's, like, above everything, whatever. And they kind of banter back and forth. We see, like, enemies to lovers trope going on. They're not enemies, but it's very, like, Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth. We're always bickering, but mm-hmm. it's kind of flirty. And then the phone rings, and we get my favorite line, (laughs) which is, Troy answers the phone, and he goes, hello, you've reached the winter of our discontent. Jeez Louise. Jeez. I was like, that's the level of extra I want to be at. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, it's Michael on the other end, and he's calling for Lelena. And we don't really get to see much of their conversation, but we do see Troy kind of eyeballing what they're talking about. And the group, after she hangs up, is trying to decide what they want for dinner, but nobody has any money. And so they get the bright idea to use Lelena's gas card, which works at the mini-mart at the gas station, too. And so all these, like, high 20-year-olds go to the mini-mart, and they pack up their hands full of, like, just the most munchies-looking shit. It's, like, sodas and chips and cookies and stuff. And they go up to the front. And I don't know if you guys have seen this, but this is, like, maybe the only little clip of the movie I'd ever seen before this. It's them in the gas station in the little mini-mart, and they hear My Sharona playing on the radio, and Vicky, like, begs the guy to turn it up. And he does. And they all just put their shit on the counter, and they just dance, rock out to My Sharona in the middle of the mini-mart. Except for Troy, who's a bummer and doesn't do it with them. That's fun. Um, Yeah, so he's the only one who's not rocking out. And then we even see this cool wide shot where it almost looks like one of those paintings of, like, a diner. You know what I mean? Like, a diner with people inside. Yeah. Um, But it's the mini mart, and it's them dancing, and it's very cool. And then uh, just a little fun fact from Steve Zahn is that he threw his neck out for a couple of days (laughs) because he was headbanging in a bad way. (laughs) We then see Michael come to pick Lelena up for their date, but she's still getting ready, and so he kind of enters the house, and he's this businessman who wears suits, and everyone is so much younger than him. He's probably supposed to be, like, 30, and he comes in there, and she's still in the bathroom, and they even have other friends over, so he feels, like, kind of awkward, and they're all playing a drinking game, and he, like, kind of tries to be cool and participate, but they all just, like, stare at him. And as Lelena and Michael leave, we can see that Troy looks a little bit upset that she's leaving to go on a date with this guy. Mm. We then see on their date that Lelena tells Michael about the documentary that she's making, and, like, it's kind of about her and her friends and life in this generation. And he uses this as an opportunity to ask about Troy, and he goes, what's his deal? And she's like, well, he's only staying, he doesn't really live there, like, he's only staying there till he finds a job, because he was fired from his last one for stealing a Snickers. <laughs> and she, I just feel like this says a lot about his character. She says that he's the type of guy who justifies things like that by saying that the establishment owed it to me. Yeah, that's, that's tracks. <laughs> 
And they kind of flirt a bit, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. They kind of get to talking about religion, and he goes, well, I guess you could say I'm a non-practicing Jew. And she goes, well, I guess you could say I'm a non-practicing virgin. <laughs> that does sound familiar. Uh, very yeah. stupid. I'm like, very what? Is, <laughs> and then, like, the more you think about it, the less it really makes sense. It really does. Like, are you trying to say, like, I fuck? Like, I are you saying you, you do or you don't <laughs> fuck? Because he's kind of saying, like, right. you are a virgin. You just don't practice right, exactly. virginity. <laughs> are you a born again virgin? I'm confused. <laughs> to be honest, they give Winona such difficult lines to say, like across the board. That woman mm. has like, had such a time in her film career with like. Really yeah. weird lines. Yeah, but she's cute and charming regardless. So she pulls it off, and he he kind of does give her a weird look though, where he's like, uh, okay. After the date, they're sitting in the driveway of her house, and they're drinking like these big gulp sodas. And they're he has a convertible, so they're sitting in the back seat, but like on top of the back seat. And they're sitting there, and they're just drinking these sodas, and that song is playing. That's like, ooh, baby, I love the way that song. Yeah, so that song is playing. They're kind of discussing, like, she was talking about earlier in the whole graduation speech. They're discussing, like, consumerism and just stuff in general. And he's a pretty well-off guy. Like, he has this nice car. He dresses nice. And he's like, you know, you might think that that stuff's really important to me, but it's really not. Like, I just want someone to spend time with. Like, this isn't what I thought I would be doing. And they both kind of bond over how they really liked astronomy in school. And they're, like, looking up at the stars and talking about astronomy. And they also bond over the fact that they they both say they can't do the math part of it. And so they were like, it never went anywhere because I'm really bad at math. And they're kind of looking at the stars together, just talking about that. And he asks her about just, like, happy moments in general. And she's like... Yeah, it's like you love the moment, but it seems like there are so few of these truly happy moments where you realize it when you're in it, and when you do, it seems like they're they're gone so quickly. And they both agree that right now is one of those Aww. moments, and so sweet, and then they make out in the back seat, and it's awesome. As this is happening, that song is still playing, right? Because it's not like a long conversation. Troy sees this as he's coming home from somewhere. And so he's kind of upset. Ooh. So Lelena finally goes inside after making out or whatever. And Troy's like waiting for her on the couch. And he starts mockingly singing Ew. the song that was playing. And it's very sad. That's not How nice. about we just like yeah, communicate right? <laughs> our feelings, you know, instead of like yeah. being so, rude. And... Like were they dating? They were not. No, they're not no. dating. No, they're not dating. Yeah. And they, they haven't established... Yeah, knew he they was haven't be established like it yet, but they kind of do later that they, up until this point, they have never dated. I don't think they've ever kissed or anything. So it's just like this underlying thing. And he's kind of trying to like find out, but just in really snarky ways, if they fucked outside. And she's like obviously not telling him and she's like blowing him off. And he's just, I'm a non-practicing virgin. What do you <laughs> yeah. think? Haven't you heard he, me say he that? He's the gatekeeper of her sexcapades. Yeah, he's a cockblock. And so he's just, like, asking these mean questions, and he's, like, making fun of Michael, and he's like, how do you justify going out with someone like that? And she kind of says, like, well, it's better than all the skanks that you date, and he just gets really mean, and he goes, whatever, what do I care? And she goes, what do you care? Like, why are you acting like a jealous boyfriend? She says that. Yeah. And she goes, 
just, I was very happy with this because it's kind of like what you're thinking when you're watching it and like what you just said, Kimmy. She goes, if something's bothering you so much, I wish you could be man enough to talk to me about it. Preach, girl. And so then he kind of gets like this sad look on his face and he stands up from the couch and like walks over to her all romantic. No. And he says, you know what? Fine. And he grabs her her face in his hands and he's like looking into her eyes and oh, he no. looks and he looks so sad and he says i'm really in love with you and He's she lying. looks so cute and he goes is that what you want to hear like stop being so full of yourself <gasps> what uh, a fucking douchebag it's so sad <laughs> it's so sad and like you see it coming but she doesn't see it coming and she's on the verge of tears and she tells him to go to hell and she runs into her room and this whole scene is just, I mean, we've, we've just talked about it, but it's just, like, such predictable behavior where it's, like, you can't just let me have a good time. You have to, like, come and say all these mean things. And then as I was thinking about it, I was, like, it kind of perfectly illustrates what they were just talking about in the car where it's, like, she came in so happy and she's having such a good night and he just cut that moment short and now she's, like, going to go to yeah. bed sad. Lelaine is doing more documentary stuff later, like, the next day or something. And she's interviewing Vicky about her job at The Gap. And it's, like, while Vicky's at work and she's using that little clothes folder. It's very sweet because she's, like, Vicky says that she kind of gets that it's silly. Like, you know, she's, like, it's the manager of The Gap. Like, who cares? But she's, like, I'm really proud. Like, I've never stuck with something this long and gotten this far at something. It's, it's very sweet. Then we see Lelena go with Vicky to a clinic to get tested for AIDS. Because I guess Vic- Whoa. Yeah. That's dark. I know. This is rent. <laughs> yeah, kinda. I feel like Mark is very similar to uh, Sammy, kind of. Even though he's not the documentary guy in this, but... Yeah. And Vicky says that she decided to do it because she had a friend test positive, and, you know, we saw that she has sex with a lot of people, so she decides she should get tested. Back at Lelena's job, she overhears that mean old host man arguing with another person who works there about her. And the other worker is talking about how she's brilliant and she, like, tries really hard and he's trying to stick up for her. And the host is, like, just talking shit about her and says that she needs to be fired and apparently he's asked this guy to fire her before. Mm. We then see the host doing an interview with an author of a book... And he's discussing the themes of the book and how it's about self-esteem. And he reads off the cue cards that he's personally always had a preference for very young girls. And all of a sudden we see Lelena is cracking up because she has sabotaged the cue cards knowing she might get fired. (laughs) And he like, you know, obviously notices there's something wrong and he flips to the next cue card trying to like cover his tracks. But the next thing written on the cue card is I'm a prick. We don't see it, but obviously she gets fired. You can't do this. (laughs) You can't do that. And so she goes home. You can't. You will get you. Do you want to burn every bridge? (laughs) Take down the patriarchy with your cue cards. Nothing is stopping me from doing this. Yeah, so she goes home, and she's like, uh, I got fired. (laughs) And it's really cute because Sammy, like, so dramatically just goes, this screws up my whole idea of good and evil. (laughs) Steve Zahn is a treasure. He's so cute. Vicky, like, all of a sudden, kind of like a light bulb goes on, and she gets really excited. And she's like, oh my god, you could come work with me at The Gap, and then we would work together. Like, how fun would that be? 
And Lelena, not quite, like instantly, but after she kind of pushes for it a little bit, Lelena snaps at her and she says, I'm not going to work at the Gap for Christ's sake. And this moment just breaks my heart because I just feel like this whole situation is perfectly encapsulates what it is like to be this age and even kind of like where we still are, where it's like, it's so important to Vicky. And she was just saying that she feels so proud of finally doing something and for Lelena to just shit on it because it's not her idea of what she wants for herself it's just like you get both sides and it's sad Mm -hmm. and it sucks vicky is like oh okay well like excuse me for trying to bring you down to my level and she goes and like locks herself in her room i'm scared for that character Mm. yeah i'm scared (laughs) (laughs) it's either later that night or early the next morning i can't really tell but it's like dreary outside and lelena and troy are walking through this really cool like plaza area with their coffee and cigarettes and I guess they're back on good terms I mean I assume they get in little fights all the time and I don't know how many days it's been since he was an ass so they're walking through the plaza and and he's doing it's like pretentious but it's also charming he's doing this little thing where he's kind of like talking about both of them in the third person and like making up their futures and stuff And he's like, one day Lelena will become famous for her filmmaking and she will completely forget about Troy Dyer. And she goes, Troy who? And he's like, I'll probably be working at Whole Foods, looking at you on the screen, thinking about how beautiful you look. Whole Foods? That's bougie. Get in on that in the 90s. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Can you buy stock? (laughs) Bitch, you have no idea. And she goes... Oh, come on, that would never happen. They would never hire you at Whole Foods. (laughs) It's really sweet, and he's like, you know what, this is all I need. Like, coffee, smokes, and good conversation. And he goes, I think that's all it really takes for happiness. Just you, me, and five bucks. And she's like, yeah, for sure. And they stop, and it's just like this very beautiful setting that they're in with with the coffee and the cigs. It looks so cool. And she's like, yeah, I agree. And so he throws his cigarette down after he says that thing and she had kind of agreed, like, yeah, just you, me, and five bucks. And he throws his cigarette down and he goes, you know what? And he kisses her. Like, actually, not a joke. It's for real. And she, like, kind of is into it for a second, but then she stops it and she's like, no, we can't do this. I don't want to lose you as a friend. Like, that would just ruin my life because she loves him as a friend he kind of gets a little bit upset and he's like, is this about Michael? Have you really never thought about like us before? And she's like, well, it is a little bit about Michael. And so that scene ends. It's not like, it doesn't necessarily look like they're on bad terms, but obviously he's a little butthurt about the situation. We then see Lelena in bed with Michael and she has just shown him her documentary. And he's like, really into it he's like immediately fawning over it and he's like i think this could be something (laughs) i know it's very it's like if i literally just recorded the three of us and was like i'm gonna make us famous (laughs) she likes the compliment of course but she's like well i don't really think about it that way like i'm not thinking about where it's going or what i want to do with it like i just like doing it and i don't want to ruin what it is by trying to turn it into something or whatever We then see, because she doesn't have a job anymore, that she goes on a ton of job interviews. So she's kind of, like, sticking to media, like, TV stations, radio stations, that kind of thing. And they're all going really bad. It's, like, either she's overqualified, the job is shitty, the interviewer's weird. It's, like, things that are out of her control, and she goes on tons of them. And we see that she even tries to go to a newspaper, which isn't really, like, 
her thing, but still kind of in the same wheelhouse. And the lady at the interview is like, okay, well, if this is something you think you can do, define irony. And she's like trying to think of a way to define it. And she's like, I don't know. I know it when I see it. And the lady like shoves her out. <laughs> and uh, okay, she definitely doesn't have an English degree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, the lady kind of shoves her out and she goes to this diner that's by their house that it's clear like the friends all go there a lot to this diner. And she goes there and she runs into Troy at the diner and she's like trying to complain to him about the interviews, but it's one of those types of scenes where you can tell that she's talking and he's not really paying attention to her. And she's like, oh, they've just, you know, they've all been so shitty, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, you know what, you, can you define irony? And like, without even looking at her, he's like, the actual meaning is the complete opposite from the literal meaning. And she's like wow, like, where were you in my interview? She's trying to be, like, flirty and kind of, like, mend the last scene we saw of them, but he's clearly blowing her off, and she's like, where have you been? We haven't seen you at the house in a few days. And he's like, oh, I've just been busy. And then he leaves the diner. And it's sad. They don't talk about it, but it's clear he's been avoiding her. Uh, Lelena then has dinner with her mom and her stepdad, and she asks if she could borrow some money because she's having so much trouble finding a job. And her mom is, like, trying to essentially encourage her to go outside of her wheelhouse. And she's like, well, I've, you know, I've tried everything in media. I've even tried the newspaper and stuff. And both her mom and stepdad agree, well, you know what? You should try working at a fast food place and suck up your pride. And then cut to Lelena training out a wiener schnitzel. That's worse than the Gap. <laughs> Just go work with your friend at the Gap, you bitch. Yeah, goodness. So then she's at Wiener Schnitzel, and here's another guessing game if you want. Her trainer is one of my more obscure loves in life. Justin Long. No, but mm. good guess. Comedy guy. David Spade. David Spade. <laughs> it's David Spade. <laughs> <laughs> and he's wearing a hat where, like, on the bill it says Wiener Dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And his part is very funny. It's really only just this one scene, but he's, like, so into the job, and he's super good at it and super fast, and is basically like, you can't hang because you're not fast enough and you don't love it enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this funny little scene. Lelena tries to call Michael while he's on a work trip, but he's not answering the phone at his hotel. And she basically is in fights with like two of her closest friends and she's at home alone and she's watching tv and she sees a number for a psychic online and she's like i'll do that so i have someone to talk to and she's like crying about the incident that happened with troy and just describing the whole thing to the psychic and the psychic is like very stereotypical like hack and she goes, I'm getting, like, an S. And she's like, he stole a Snickers bar, oh yes! <laughs> it was very funny. And she apparently calls her multiple times because we get all these, like, cut scenes of her conversation with her in a row where she's, like, wearing different clothes and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so she's, like, calling her, and there's even this funny one where she's like, you know what, I think that you still do love Monty. Like, she's comforting the psychic. <laughs> and, uh... Vicky and Sammy come home one day and they confront her and they're like, you got to stop calling that number. We have a $400 phone bill. And I guess Lelena didn't realize how much she was actually calling. And she's like, oh, ah, fuck. No. It's like this really sad, like, it's not even much of a fight because Lelena is so like beaten down and she's so lonely and she's trying like 
to just start a fight to start one with Vicky and Vicky's like you're high we're not doing this right now like take a walk and basically just says give me the money we don't need to fight about it we then see Lelena get a bright idea on how she's gonna make the money so what she does is she goes to the gas station and when people go to buy gas she says nice give me 20 bucks I'll do it on my gas card (laughs) (laughs) and so she like it's just this funny montage of her like at the gas station all fucking day giving people gas card money and then they give her real money and then she like counts it up and she gets it really fast and she goes home and she gives it to vicky and she's like okay i mean sick and she reminds her that rent is also due and they're like in the kitchen kind of figuring out bills and troy comes home with another girl and he's like i'm just coming to pick something up and Lelena's like giving a hard, him a hard time and she's like you don't even live here and he goes why are you acting like a jealous girlfriend all of a sudden stealing what she said earlier and Vicky tries to like defuse the situation and she's like hey get what you need to do get and leave uh we're paying bills right now so actually if you have anything to contribute like that'd be cool and Lelena uses this to spark a huge fight with him about money, but of course he pulls the, like, you have daddy's little gas card thing, and she's like, you have no work ethic, you never look for a job, this is so dumb, blah blah blah, and it gets to be, like, a huge screaming match to the point where he, like, turns around and yells in her face super loud, and, uh, she, she's obviously getting really flustered because of it, too, and she just kind of changes the topic and she's like you need to stop dicking around you have to stop dicking around with that girl you have to stop dicking around with me and she says you need to try something for once in your life because the world doesn't owe you any favors and this is like you know sammy's there and vicky's there it's this huge explosion in front of all these people and vicky says she goes up to her and she goes okay it's getting really psychotic in here we need to take a walk And she grabs her and they go on a walk outside and they smoke. It's kind of nice because that huge fight brought them closer together in a way because now they're just like talking shit about Troy and like how he's a shitty roommate and all these little things. And they're on the way over to the diner and Vicky has this line too where she goes, Troy's a nightmare for women. I can't believe I haven't slept with him yet. (laughs) They get to the diner and they're just like drinking coffee and they have their smokes in the diner. Can you believe it? Wow. Vicky basically says that she's really lonely and she can't bear to have another man walk out on her. Lelena is like, what are you talking about? You always leave them. And she's like, I'm just beating them to the punch. And then she says that she, she like, it's really sad. And she's like, I'm probably sitting here dying of AIDS anyway, and I'm gonna die alone. Lelena's very sweet and supportive. And it's clear that they're like, you know, reconnecting since their fight. And she apologizes for everything. And she's like, I haven't been a good friend. And no matter what happens, what the results are, I'm going to be there for you. And like, we've gotten through everything else together. It's going to be okay regardless. And all of a sudden, there's a phone call at the diner, like on the diner phone, and it's for Lelena. And she's like, what the fuck? And she goes over and it's Michael. I guess he like called the house and they said, oh, you know, they walked down to the diner. And so he called the diner and he's like, I'm so sorry. You're going to be so mad at me. But I showed your documentary to the people at the TV station I work for and they love it. Wow. And they want to like pick it up. And he's like, I'm so, so sorry. And she's like, it doesn't matter. I've gone on so many job interviews. Like, I just need something to go right. This is sick. 
and they're both just like eating the situation up and he's like I love you and he didn't mean to say it and he's like oh I mean uh you amaze me and she's like you amaze me and it's so cute and they're so happy and they hang up and that's where I put the halfway point Mm -hmm. I'm scared, man. I'm scared. What if he's not? Yeah. What if he's not the bee's knees? What if it's like <laughs> daddy's TV station and he's just trying to get in those pants? Yeah, I'm kind of feeling that too. I feel like there's the possibility. First of all, I feel like there's the po- the possibility of for this to get like super dark, and Vicky mm. does have AIDS, and that's a huge problem. Or there, she's gonna be like, oh, I was so scared that I had AIDS. I thought I was gonna right. die, but now I'm not. You know what? They're either gonna like. They're really gonna go for it, or they're gonna kind of like pass it off, and and I'm yeah. not really sure which one I mo- agree with more. Like, do I want AIDS to be like a theme in this film? <laughs> right. Not really. That is fucking dark. Mm-hmm. But also, like, is this like Rent, where the first half is like La Viva Web, like mm. oh my god, it's so fun, and then <laughs> now people are dying. Yeah, That's just yeah. how musicals go. Leave an intermission. <laughs> you don't want your favorite characters to die. So, like, the Ben Stiller thing, I don't think that they're going to get a happily ever after because, like, otherwise, why is Ethan Hawke there if not to just be, like, the monster? So I feel like mm. Ben Stiller's character is going to, uh, like, push her. It, like, when Mark gets a job at BuzzFeed <laughs> um, <laughs> in Rent. And he doesn't want to be a corporate sellout. And she might go that route and be like, no, I won't do it. Yeah. And that kind of sucks because there's nothing wrong with him then. Yeah, I don't know if, if Ben Stiller's character necessarily is going to end up being like a bad dude. I think that just, well, Lelena is going to be like, she thought it's what she wanted. But really what she wants is like a little messier and not as traditional and yeah. you know she she wants to go for it with Ethan Hawke and he's gonna stop gaslighting her and like <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a really um what's the word like compelling part of this story too is it's very especially at that age it's yeah. like do I want to settle into something that seems like it's maybe like the forever thing or do I want to fuck around with Ethan Hawke <laughs> do well like I mean I hope that he goes through some like character changes Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and like I feel like there's like the easy expected way and that's like her with Ben Stiller Mm -hmm. and there's the messy reality way which is Mm -hmm. with which is like what the film is titled and like you know what the Ethan Hawke character is which is why people watch rom-coms too right yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. you want the turmoil (laughs) so that you can get the happily ever after with the I'm sorry hotter guy um (laughs) (laughs) This is, like, really not important to the plot, but Sammy is definitely the one we know the least about, and we're going to continue to know the least about him, but there is one plot line they give him. I was like, was this mentioned before? I don't think so. What is his one plot line going to be? Something that he has to confront. I know I'm being vague. I'm just worried I'm going to give it away. (laughs) It could be anything. Guess anything. It's Maybe like, he, like, fathered a child somewhere. Mm, Ooh, love that. Guess. I was going to say, he's on parole. Mm. Mm. All righty. Halfway point is over. We're now at the clinic. We literally find out right now. Bless. <laughs> so, I didn't want to keep waiting. She doesn't have it. Okay, great. And it's, yay. And that's all that that scene is. <laughs> She's good. And this is the Sammy part also right now. It's n- not anything huge, but we see him 
practicing coming out to his mom. Oh, Sammy. <laughs> yeah, and I was I don't think they mentioned it before that and he's just like practicing and it's it's a pretty funny scene. It's like I think he found somewhere, like, a guide to how to come out to your mom. And so he's, like, practicing lines with Vicky, like, really stoically, where he's like, yes, mom, I am gay. And she's like, okay, is there a place I can go to deal with my homophobia? (laughs) That's really really sweet. It better not go poorly. Uh, So we also immediately get to see that. And we don't see it happen, but we see him outside of the house. And it doesn't seem like it went terrible, but he says to the camera that she's inside just kind of, like, trying to figure out how she feels about it. And he's like, I just really wanted to finally be able to come to terms with it myself and embrace who I am. And I hope that my mom can, too. Um, yeah, so that's all we really get to see of that storyline. They kind of, like, hinted it later, but we don't really know what happened with that. Um, Michael then comes to pick Lelena up for their whole like documentary thing it's it's like the the tv station thing while she's getting ready he's making small talk with troy because troy's like started hanging out at the house again and michael's trying really hard to just like be nice because he's a fucking adult and he's just troy is being such a dick to him like not engaging and like and lelena finally comes out of the bathroom and she's wearing like this cute little white dress And Michael says she looks great, and Troy goes, what happened to your normal clothes? And then she feels all self-conscious, and she's like, I'm gonna go change. Cool. Yeah, and Michael is like, what? No, don't do that. You look beautiful. And he's, like, trying to think of a a better word than beautiful. And he's like, you look like... And her dress is kind of, like, lacy. And Troy goes, a doily. And... It's so mean. Leave him. Dump his ass. Yeah. I know you're not even dating him, but don't start. <laughs> yeah, I do not ship them together. It's super no. sad. It is just like, I just feel like every woman has experienced a person like this. And it just have. makes me so angry. And so she's obviously like defeated. And like Michael's telling her she looks good, but now she feels bad. And she's like, I'm just going to go change. And now Michael's like mad, not at her, obviously. But he's like, no, don't go change. And Troy is like, yeah, don't go thinking for yourself. And then Michael says, hey, what's your glitch? Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> That's what we say. <laughs> what's your damage, Heather? <laughs> it's really funny. And I really like this part because this entire part where Michael is like trying to tell him off. Unfortunately, Troy is just better with his words. And Michael is, like, really trying, you know? He says, what's your glitch? That's obviously not a cool thing to say, but he says it trying to be, like, stand up for her and stuff. And this whole scene is just, like, a bummer because in our heads, and it's a movie, we want it to go one way, but in real life, it's like, you might trip up on your words and not actually sound that cool. And it's just, like, a bummer. He's trying. He's trying. Like when Fleabag has that awesome rant towards her brother-in-law, and oh. she goes, you are a weakie. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, oh, weakie, Oh, sis. And you're a strongie. <laughs> <laughs> like she even goes, I'm surprised how well this is going. She's like, I said, well, damn it. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like that. Yeah. There is like a good, a good little zinger that he does get in, though where he's like, you don't need this, let's go. And Troy goes, you don't know what she needs. And Michael says... Neither do you, you fucking fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And Michael says, I know what she needs in a way that you never will. And then they leave. And I was like, 
Good one. Get him, boy. Dang. He knows where the clitoris is. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> she said you've never even heard of the clitoris. Oh, my God. So then they leave to go to the TV station. When they're there, uh, all the people, like the execs at the place or whatever the fuck, like strangers, random actors are there to watch the doc. And Michael is like, I actually haven't seen it, and I know that they, like, edited it a certain way, so I, I have no idea what it looks like now. And Lelena's like, okay, like, everyone seems supportive and excited about it, so she's she's feeling okay. So the documentary starts to play, but it's, like, edited really strange and, like, really choppy, and there's a lot of weird music that almost seems like it's, like, poking fun at the documentary, People are, like, laughing at it because of the way it's been spliced together and, like, destroyed. And she's like, what is this? And then at the end of it, they, like, cut together all these, like, clips of the friends talking about pizza. And it's a Pizza Hut ad. So it's, like, not even a doc. It's just, like, a short, weird little, like, Gen X Pizza Hut ad. (laughs) That sounds really good. (laughs) It's really interesting. How they put it together. My art! But what I do like about it is that up until this point, I was like, get fucking real. In what world does someone buy your documentary about your friends? And so the fact that it's not that, I was happy with. But it's also like, what kind of TV station says, yes, I will buy your documentary and then turns it into a commercial? Like, yeah, doesn't make sense. What kind of, like, filmmaker doesn't negotiate their own contract? (laughs) Yeah. So, and I think it's, like, just part of her naivete, too. Like, she just kind of let Ben Stiller handle it, but obviously it didn't work out. And everybody's fucking laughing, and they're both shocked. Like, Michael and Lelena are both shocked, but she runs out of the room because she's so upset. And he runs after her, and he's, like, kind of trying to defend the station, being like, well, at least this way, like, a lot of people are going to see it. And she's just really sad. And she's like, it's clear you don't get it. Like, to me, this meant a lot. And to you, it was just like, hey, we got a cash grab for you. And so she's she's sad. And so she's at home, and Troy comes home, and he's like, oh, how'd your, how'd your big movie premiere go? And he's, like, I guess riding the line of, like, being condescending and being genuine. And she's clearly bummed about it and, like, kind of blows off the question. And then she gets really vulnerable, and she's like... I just worked so hard on it and I feel pathetic and I just wish things were easier and like that I had made something of myself by now. Again, like this is kind of the thing I feel like we can relate to, especially when you're a little bit younger too, is just like feeling like you have to do all these things by a certain age and she's only fucking 23, but she feels like, you know, now I've graduated from college, I'm supposed to know what to do. And it's like, I I feel you, dude. And Mm -hmm. Troy says to her, All you have to be by the age of 23 is yourself. And she cries, and she's like, I don't even know who that is. And Troy says he knows that she's someone that he loves. And they hug, and then they make out, and then they bone. Go have this conversation with Janine Garofalo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) With someone whose tongue you're not going to get in your throat. Yeah, or Sammy. Yeah. And it's very, like... 90s up the sex scene it's very like romantic and all that kind of stuff with like some kind of romantic song playing and the next morning she wakes up and she's very like happy and in a good mood and she's wearing his shirt and she kind of tries to like cuddle with him and he's like already dressed and trying to like leave the bed 
And she's like, oh, like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I have to go to band practice. And she goes, so that's it then. And he's like, no, but it's not that. Like, it's not, but I gotta go. And so it's sad because she's obviously taken this as this huge, romantic, important milestone they've crossed in their friendship. And now he's like running away. Mm-hmm. Now we're at a performance that they had band practice for. So it's that same night. And they're at this, like, dive bar. So that's where that picture is that I sent to you guys, where Ben Stiller's in the picture. Mm. Nice. Oh, he's going to come? He's going to come. Spoilers. (laughs) Right after they bone. That's what her expression is about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Lelena comes into the bar, and she's, like, kind of making eyes at Troy while he's performing. And Vicky is like, this is the easiest way to fuck up a friendship, Lelena. (laughs) You're not supposed to have sex with them. And it's in between songs, and Troy is walking off stage to come and talk to Lelena and Vicky, but as he's walking toward them, Michael enters the bar. And he's being very sweet. I mean, he's sweet throughout the whole movie, uh, like, toward Lelena, and he apologizes. He's like, I should have protected you more. I should have asked more questions. I should have fought for your work when it was being edited. Like, I... I didn't know what was going on. I'm really, really sorry. And he's, like, begging for her forgiveness. And he even says, I bought us plane tickets so that we can fly to the TV station in New York and show them the documentary the way that you want it to be perceived. Wow. Yeah. That's coming through. So, like, going above and beyond for his mistake. She's not going to go for it. He's too nice. (laughs) Yeah, he's too nice. Damn it. She's toxic. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to be, like, about to go, and she's going to be like, I can't do this, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, she's going to leave the airport for Troy, and Troy's going to be stealing a <laughs> Snickers from the airport gift shop. <laughs> and the Jesus. last line of the movie is, the establishment owes me. <laughs> no, the, the last line is, he, oh, maybe he gives her a Snickers bar, and she's like, babe, and he goes, and I paid for it, to show he's grown. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He goes, you're not yourself when you're hungry. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> And the whole movie was a Snickers ad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fucking awesome. Um, And so she's like, you know, obviously this offer was very sweet. And she's like, okay, maybe I should do this. But this is the exact moment that Troy now walks up to the bar. And now she's standing in between the two men. And she's like, ah, fuck. And Troy says to Michael, no hard feelings. And Michael's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And don't Troy ask. goes, yeah. And Troy looks at Lelena and says, are you going to tell him or am I? Okay, what the flying balls is happening? <laughs> is he just like, his job in life is to like dismantle any sense of happiness that she has. Yeah. And that he can, she can just be his and his only. It's like, like, nobody can be happy with you but me, and I don't even want to be happy with you. And I don't even want you. After this movie, Ethan Hawke popped off as an actor because everybody was super stoked about gaslighting men in the 90s. The before trilogy? Like, where's where's Mm. that? (laughs) He was in that trilogy with Julie Delpy. (laughs) It does look good. I've been meaning to watch that. It's very Hey, guys, stop talking about my watch list ad. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. (laughs) There's three of them. There's enough for all of us. That should be what we do. (laughs) Okay. Wouldn't that be wild if we actually legitimately all planned one of them? Like, you were like, I weirdly want to see the second one. (laughs) That would be interesting. Uh, Okay. So, Lelena then pulls Troy aside, obviously, like, what the fuck? 
And he goes, what's Michael doing here? And she's like, we're not doing this. And so she, like, talks to him about that morning. And she's like, what the fuck is that about? Like, did this not mean anything to you? Were you lying about everything you said yesterday? And he's, like, trying to kind of backpedal. And he's like, I just freaked out. Like, you're the only woman I can see myself committing to. And she gets really mad and yell. I I love her because she always speaks her mind in this movie. She goes, so what? I get the big gold medal for the commitment cook-off? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, maybe they it- just let Winona write her own lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. But it's just like, yeah. Like, it. he says it like it's some big fucking deal. Like, you're the only woman I could commit to. And she's like, who gives a shit? That's the most bullshit thing I've ever heard. Yeah. You're the woman that's going to make me change my ways. Yeah. Change your own ways. Yeah. Yep. And she goes, so you get to do that? And then you just get to run away? And they're, like, fighting about his emotional maturity And she's like, you know what? I need to be with someone like Michael. And she walks off and he punches. Wow, really? So she walks away from him. Yeah, toward Michael. All right. That was a great movie. Are we ready for ratings? End of movie. (laughs) (laughs) Credits roll. (laughs) And so she's like making her way back toward Michael as she's doing this. Troy literally like books it for the stage and the band's like not even ready yet and he's like I'd like to dedicate this song to Lelena and they get started on the song the song is called Added Up by the Violent Femmes the lyrics are kind of like why won't you give me a kiss give me a kiss why won't you get into bed with me or some it's something like weird like that and but he just dedicated it to Lelena so it's just like really weird and aggressive toward her she gets really upset and she like runs out of the club. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're just trying to embarrass me. I don't. I don't understand. You're in a violent femmes cover band. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> and then both men chase her out of the bar. So Michael runs after her, and I mean Troy just started a song, and now he's like running off stage after her. The band is probably like, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> and uh, both of them run after her out of the club, but she's gone. And so they kind of get into a little fight, but it doesn't really mean anything. This movie's not progressive enough, but I'm like, she gets to be on her I, own. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. I was literally thinking the exact same thing. I was like, this, I don't think it's ahead of its time it's enough not. to be like, I need to be single. I need to learn to love myself. Yeah. We then see a scene of Troy flying to Chicago alone. So we don't really know what that's about because it's not to do with Lelena. And Lelena gets home. I don't really know when oh my this God, is. Did he maybe. get a record deal? <laughs> Please, no. Hey, look at my... What is it? Hey, where's my bike? <laughs> um, hey, that's my bike. <laughs> hey, that's my bike. That's what it is. <laughs> and so Lelena gets home. I don't know when this is. Maybe like a couple days from there, then or something. And uh, she sees all his stuff is gone. And it's kind of like this montage of her just missing him at different places. So like... She's at that same dive bar later and sees a guy walk in who has, like, his same hair, but then he looks up and it's not him. And she's, like, seeing annoying things around the house that he used to do. She's just missing him. And her phone even rings one day at home and she answers it. And it's Troy on the other end, but he doesn't end up saying anything. And she says hello a few times, that whole, that whole thing, you know. And she even goes to the diner one day and she finds Sammy there on a date. Hell with yeah, David Spade? No, just with some, Oh, that would have been such a good callback. <laughs> oh, that would have been awesome. But he is on a date with a guy. So he's there, like, with some guy at a diner. And she's like, I just need to know if Troy's okay. And Sammy's like, all I know is that he went back to Chicago. 
And she's like, I'm not really supposed to know that, am I? And he's like, no. And so then we see her go home and she's like rushing to pack because it seems like she's going to go fly to Chicago. And there's a cab outside that she sees approach. She's like rushing because she's not ready yet. And she runs outside, but the taxi has driven away. And she's like, oh, shit. But it turns out the taxi wasn't there to pick her up. It was a taxi there to drop off Troy. Although this scene kind of comes out of nowhere, the taxi's dropping him off and he looks like really sad. And he's in a suit. Somebody died. Do you remember what I mentioned earlier in the film? I kind of skimmed over it on purpose. When he's talking about his life, he had mentioned his dad had cancer. You never said that. I did. I did in the brownie eating scene. I skimmed skimmed right over it. (laughs) I remember you said something about how... It was messy. (laughs) They're divorced. (laughs) Yeah, I said the cancer thing right before that. I don't know. I want to fact check. We'll play it back in the tapes. (laughs) I guess I will. It would be hilarious. Insert it here. Insert the correct thing here. (laughs) And then we cut to him eating brownies out of a Tupperware container, and it's, like, kind of messy and stuff, and... Lelena's asking him questions about his life. We get a little bit of, like, background info, like his dad is sick. (laughs) It'd be hilarious if Courtney went back and cut it out and was like, no, (laughs) it wasn't. That's sad. Um, It is sad. And so he's, he asks if he could talk to her and she can tell something's up. And they're also standing, like, really far away. She's by the door and he's, like, by the street. He's like, I don't know where you're going, but I was hoping I could talk to you beforehand. And she's like, okay. And he's like, the reason that I left is because my dad died. And she's oh, she's just so sweet. And she says she's sorry, so genuine. And he's just like, looks like a little puppy. And he's like, I just don't really know what to say, but it just made me think about what's important to me. And I regret so badly the morning after we made love. And I wish I could go back. And I wish I could do it differently. And I love you, and you don't have to say anything, but I just wanted to make sure that was clear and that you knew that. And she's like, where were you? Or he says, where were you headed off to? And she's like, well, I was actually going to go look for you. And then she runs over the gate, and she runs up to him, and they hug, and they kiss. And this part's funny because it's hella 90s kissing. It's like their mouths are so open. (laughs) (laughs) It's like they're making out with each other's whole face. Isn't the, like, the evolution of, like, kissing really interesting? (laughs) It really is because I watched The Birds this week, and that's 63 and the yeah. way they grip the shit out of each other's heads. Yeah. But and they like don't, smash their faces They don't together. open their mouths. I was like, whoa. Like, they was like, and they just held <laughs> yeah. it there as the camera, like, went around them. And then I watched One Tree Hill and I barf every time Quinn and Clay kiss. It's disgusting. Oh, how do they kiss? <laughs> ew, ew. Ew, ew. Courtney. <laughs> For the listeners, Courtney turned her head to the side. So it was like we were watching a movie. <laughs> demonstrated full ass tongue kissing she is i see quinn's tongue every time they kiss and it makes you see it come out of her you see it come out of her mouth and she's always smiling when she does it and it's slow and you just watch the tongue come out and then (laughs) daniel from the other room can always hear when nathan and Haley are kissing because it's so loud (laughs) Mm. that's so that's so weird Okay, I would like to say two things about the scene that you just talked about, okay? okay? Yes. Number one, call me old-fashioned, but I think if a dude ever says, 
made love instead of like had sex <laughs> or fucked, uh-huh. that's fucking sexy. It's not. All right? I'm the exact opposite. Don't say that to me ever. <laughs> I mean, you have to say it with like genuine sincerity. That would make it worse. I would break up with you. <laughs> <laughs> I would say maybe it's just because of our personalities, but if Dakota, I feel like genuinely said that to me, I'd be like, that's weird. We don't talk that way. (laughs) But, but I also don't, I think that's just because of like, I don't know, our relationship and how we like talk about sex. We just don't really, I feel like it it, it just feels so old fashioned and very like weird. All right. Well, that's what I said. I said, I think, I think Kimmy (laughs) wants like a nice young stallion to say it to her after a one night stand. (laughs) Yes, the second thing I would like to say is that, you know, I don't, I'm not saying that this absolves him of all the shitty behavior that he's just exhibited, yeah. but I really do appreciate somebody who sincerely apologizes for their behavior and says, I was wrong. Mm. You know, like, I love male characters who do that. People, like, go off about Pride and Prejudice, like, and they don't understand this was like a really unique thing for a dude to do in literature back then is, oh, you don't like me because of the way that I was? Let me change and apologize. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like that. I don't know if that's what's going to happen in this movie. <laughs> yeah. But I, I will say, and there is very little movie left, but I will say that there is like a soft spot in my heart and a part of me that is okay with this shift because of the tragedy he just experienced. Like, I do genuinely think that's enough of a reason for someone to change their behavior, to be like, this really devastating thing just happened. And God, of course you would feel bad and sad for this man that even if you weren't in love with him that you love and have known for all this time to be so, for him to be here so sad and vulnerable. Well, he is like, you know, he's very, he's post-college, he's young, He's very much acting and behaving of the way, like, I'm invincible, I'm young, nothing ever bad is ever going to happen to me. And then when you are faced with something that shows you, like, reflects your own mortality, Mm -hmm. I I think that can do things for you. They they do their big old open mouth kiss, and then we see them, like, chilling in the apartment. And it's clear that it's been, some time has passed. They're happy. I believe there's even moving boxes, maybe implying they're going to move in together by themselves. There's like some some nice music playing at the end because we've had all these really good soundtrack moments. And then someone calls, but they're not answering because they're like flirting it up. And I think he's even playing guitar. And the answering machine beeps and the message says, Lelena, this is your dad. I need you to explain something. I just got a $900 bill on your gas card. <laughs> End of movie. Of that's fun. <laughs> Wait, whoa. That's a funny joke to end on. <laughs> but we like, what happened to Michael? She said, fuck Michael. <laughs> He's a corporate I thought we were really going to get... Oh. He gets left behind in the dust, man. <laughs> I thought we were going to get a little more closure on that. No, we'd never see him again. <laughs> he has, he wow. has to go direct this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess he does. Yeah. Wow. That's very humble. Yeah. of him honestly know? it's also nice because the 90s and ben stiller never mind the whole career of ben stiller is just <laughs> such a oh i'm just like the the milk toast everyday man or it's like i'm a fucking psycho <laughs> yeah i'm the guy from dodgeball or the guy from reality bites there is no there in is between, no in between. <laughs> meet the fuckers heavyweights who are you gonna yeah. go <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> I watched some interviews with Ethan Hawke, and this isn't really a fun fact. It's just, I just liked what he had to say about the movie. He said he was excited to do it because he felt like it was an expose on people who exist right now, obviously being 94. And he's like, it's just about regular people. I feel like movies are often about these like extraordinary people doing amazing things. And this is just about people and people my age and people I feel like we can relate to. And in retrospect, I think that a lot of people of that age, like Gen X, really does relate to this film. And they were many of them around the same age, like growing up with and maybe even graduating college at the same time this movie was coming out. So I I feel like that's just a really nice like piece of media to have to kind of feel like that was my experience too. Mm -hmm. Last little thing is that the woman who wrote this script, her name is Helen Childress, Childress. This was her first script ever, and she wrote it when she was a 19-year-old freshman at USC. Uh, The movie came out when she was 25, but I was just like, damn, good for you, babe. Yeah. Good for you, babe, indeed. That is the movie. We're going to do our ratings. Is everybody ready? Do you know what you're going to give it? Yes, I think so. All righty. On three, two, one. Cool. I gave it a five and a half. I gave it a seven. I gave it a six. Sweet. Feeling good. Um, I did not like the way that this ma- movie made me feel 23 years old again. I don't like that. I don't want oh. it. <laughs> I don't want to be going through that. I don't want yeah. these men in my life anymore. Nope. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, Get away. Yeah, that latter half was like really difficult. And it does mm. capture it very well. So it kind of makes me want to rate it higher. But I don't know that I'm going to enjoy sitting through it. Either way, it sounds solid for its time and very... I really appreciate the Gen X ness of it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I do appreciate that it's post college. Yeah. I think that I would really enjoy this, save for, you, you know, one of our questions was that it's a little pretentious. I would appreciate mm-hmm. a movie like this that's a little more grounded in reality, maybe like not as heightened of a script, you know, something just like really real, purposeless yep. people in like their post-educational life, like trying to figure out who they are and what they are to this world, you know? That's like a huge thing that I grapple with all the time and very recently, so I think that this movie would really hit home. I'm excited mostly to see Ethan Hawke's performance. I know that I griped about him as a character through most of this, (laughs) and I think that that is justified, but I also you seem like you're on his side, like the way that you told it, you know? Mm. And I want to see that performance and be affected in that way and just like give a little slack, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, again, like movies from the 90s and pre are not really my thing. You know, I'm willing to give this a, a try. I think that I'll probably watch it for the wrap. Um, I gave this movie a seven. I pretty much agree with everything that you guys both said. And I, I even was probably going to rate it lower, but I just really liked talking about it. I think I gained a greater appreciation for it as we kind of dissected the themes of it and talked about just that feeling of life and like how we're kind of still in it too and it's like it's a struggle it's a struggle to figure out who you are and especially like for her character figuring out who you want to love and it's I, I I get it and I I am not that pretentious but it also I feel like part of the enjoyment of watching this was laughing at that part of it, like enjoying some parts genuinely, but then also getting to laugh at shit like the winter of our disconsent. No one fucking says that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought all the characters were very 
endearing. I really like Vicky, and kind of like you had said in your predictions, she is more of the grounded one, even though she's not our protagonist. I like the dynamic that they have as a friend group. I enjoyed the chemistry. It was very cute, and I agree with what you said, where it's like, it's just nice to have a piece of something that you feel like defines your generation or that you can look back on, and I think we have some of those movies Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. All right. Watchlist ads and recommendation time. So Kayleen here going first. As we mentioned earlier, there's the Before Trilogy, which I've been wanting to watch for a while, and it's also on my movie poster that Courtney bought me a couple years ago for Christmas. So Before Sunrise, specifically, I want to see that one, but it is a trilogy, so if I like it, I'll probably watch them all. I think you should start with Before Sunset. (laughs) I thought Before Sunrise was the first one. No, I know, I'm kidding. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) I honestly, I'm like, I don't know. What's the last one called? Before Midnight. Oh, is that it? I think so. They couldn't find another sun thing. That's so embarrassing. What um, else? Before Breaking Dawn? <laughs> Before Eclipse. Yeah, I want to watch that. I was especially interested after watching this movie because we get to see little twerpy, mean Ethan Hawke. And I think the next one is going to have like that same level of pretension from what I've heard, but in like a more endearing and mature way. So I'm I'm excited to see if he's, like, more romantic and nice, which I assume he is. And then for my recommendation, I'm recommending Shiva Baby, which I watched yesterday. <laughs> and although I don't think it serves the exact same purpose as Reality Bites, I do still kind of feel like it's capturing a generation. Mm-hmm. It's like, I am nothing like the protagonist in Shiva Baby, and yet I totally get it. I'm like... Yeah, it's annoying how the older generation is so focused on, like, what's your job? Who's your boyfriend? When are you having babies? Like, all that kind of stuff. And how every fucking person at the Shiva asks her the same thing. And, like, as the the, the day and the night gets worse, it's just, like, more and more stressful. Yeah. And when she breaks down, I felt for her so strongly. And I was like, I get it. Like, I get... Again, not the exact same situation, but I get the feeling of, like, being overwhelmed or feeling like people aren't proud of you or feeling like, you know, you're doing something wrong or it just, this is awesome. And for it to be, like, a a person who in real life, too, is kind of on the cusp of, like, millennial and Gen Z, much like we are, it's, it was just nice. I was like, this feels like it's for me and I don't think it quite encapsulates a time like Reality Bites does, but it still kind of felt like it did. Nice. Um, adding to my watch list, just because we've talked a lot about Rent today, and Jonathan Larson wrote Rent, mm. and he also wrote Tick, Tick, Boom. Um, and I really like cool. the trailer for that. I feel like I'm really interested in Andrew Garfield's career at this moment and just where it's going. And have you guys seen the trailer for it? Yeah. I really want to see Tick, Tick, Boom. It's a musical and it's coming out later this year, much the same way Dear Evan Hansen is. I'm ready for those mm-hmm. those films. Um, my recommendation for the week is really touching upon this like post-college ennui and it's Francis Ha. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. also pretentious. It is a lovely film about finding your place and really not doing it (laughs) and Mm. not being able to keep up with the relationships that you once held dear to yourself. In the end, of course, it's happy, but it's a struggle along the way with female friendships, with male friendships, male relationships, your passions, your jobs, what your parents think of you, and just trying to make it after college. And I, I, I like those movies. 
phenomenal Greta Gerwig movie with Noah Baumbach as director and co-writer of it, and I love it. It's a really good film. And I, I really do kind of feel like this genre, per se, of films is so much smaller. Like, struggling with the post-collegiate blues, I feel like, is a lot smaller than all the college or high school movies we get. You see TV shows like Friends and How I Met Your Mother and everyone is so together, and even when they're not, they can somehow still afford their penthouses in New York. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it just, nothing ever seems as dire as it is in reality, and I like these mm-hmm. films. Like, in Frances Ha, she has to go back to her college to be a summer RA. Mm. That sucks. <laughs> like, imagine <laughs> going back to college to be the keeper of a dorm because you yeah. don't have anything else to do. And it's like, that's nothing to look down upon, but it is something that would hurt your soul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and she's an artist. It's just nice to see that. Yeah. I'm going to add to my watch list very similarly to Before Sunset trilogy. Mm. I've been really interested in going on a deep dive of all the filmography of Jessica Chastain, my fave. Oh, I know what I you're going to say. Seen. I, I haven't seen a lot of her other work. But that trilogy, man, are you okay? <laughs> I'm, I, I want to I watch the, the Eleanor Rigby trilogy. Yeah, the Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby trilogy with James McAvoy and her. Mm-hmm. And I want to praise my bitch. So cool. I hope it's good. For my recommendation, I'm going to recommend The Edge of Seventeen. Hmm. It's not a post-college movie. It is a <laughs> in-the-middle-of-high-school movie. I don't know if there was really another movie that we got that really dealt with... I don't know. I thought that it was, like, really real. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Kind of like in the same way that Eighth Grade is. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's heightened, and then you delve into that really fucking dark-ass scene. The stuff that happens in The Edge of Seventeen... I don't know. I think that it's really representative of a lot of like teenagers' experiences that we didn't really get to see dramatized on the screen like very yeah. much. Yeah. And Haley Steinfeld is just like so great, and like Woody Harrelson too. Like he's great in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I just think it's a really good film. It is. Sick. Well, Kimmy, what are we doing next week to close out this round with a very special friend? With a very special friend, I'm very excited to announce that Nick from Take 3 Movie Podcast is going to be guest starring with me next episode where we will be explaining the entire plot of the movie. I still know what you (laughs) did last summer. Yes, it's a sequel movie. Go watch the first one before you listen to us if you haven't. If you don't know what the first one is is about... Don't worry, we're gonna we're gonna briefly cover it. It was his choice. I'm very excited to do it with him. It's gonna be a funny, silly time. Yeah, get I'm ready. Excited. Catch us then. <laughs>